0: what's up fellas welcome back to the dad the man podcast where we love and lead ourselves our families and our communities from the front unconditionally from this place of opportunity not obligation and all at the same time we're always pursuing our own personal professional goals as well that's what we do here my name is brendan wall and i am your host and i want to first thank you so much for tuning in whether you have listened to every single episode along the way or maybe today's your first time tuning in. I want to thank you for being here. You could spend your time doing anything else in the world, but you've chosen to listen to this episode. I take that very seriously. And my goal is to give you the best return on that time and attention that you are dropping here. So thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy what we have in store today. So before I introduce today's guest, quick plug Dad the Man. Brotherhood, community, Facebook group. You can find this on Facebook. It's totally free. Go to the group section. Search for Dad the Man. It'll pop up, or you can click on the link in the show notes um, on whatever platform that you are listening to this episode on, and it'll take you right to us. I hope to see you in there soon. As men, husbands, and fathers, there are so many circumstances that we all experience. We're all in this thing together, right? There's no playbook. There's no rule book. There's no instruction manual, but there are millions of other guys going through the same things as you we're bringing those guys together high caliber guys to lean on to learn from to build up i want to see you come join us in the group if you're not in there already like i said totally free no excuse not to join i hope to see you soon so today's guest is none other than marcus philly marcus is a six-time crossfit games athlete who ultimately left the sport after the 2016 games When he left, he was burned out and broken and about to become a father for the first time. He then founded his training business, which he runs today, called Functional Bodybuilding, which was born out of a need to train more for longevity and sustainability while still looking good and moving well. In today's conversation, Marcus really opens up about his struggle with confidence and validation throughout his life, the impact that marriage counseling has made on his marriage, and the necessity of taking radical responsibility for your emotions and actions. Marcus is obviously a stud, world-class, elite level athlete. And it was really insightful and inspiring to dive deep into the psychology of a guy who, like the rest of us, man, he's busting his ass to be the best dad and husband possible, while also striving to be world-class at his professional craft as well. Above it all, Marcus is an incredible man, husband and father, and it was an honor to host him on the show. So here's my conversation with the Marcus Philly. And we are live with six-time CrossFit Games athlete. And He is the founder of Functional Bodybuilding. With us today, the one and only Marcus Philly. Philly, welcome welcome to the death of Man podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> I'm super excited to have you on here. And I want to wade in the shallow end. Let's go way back. If you don't mind, give us a little bit of insight to your childhood, where you grew up, what kind of stuff you're into as a kid, siblings, family dynamic. Give us a little color there.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I was um, born in San Francisco proper. And then at about seven years old, moved to the suburbs. Um, my folks were in healthcare. Dad was a doctor. Mom was an um, ultrasonographer or ultrasound technician, and they worked side by side. They met there. And so going to mom and dad's work was going to the ultrasound department at UCSF. And I knew everybody there, we would pay frequent visits and, you know, it looked like a a good community. They had a a healthy, really healthy relationship and a healthy relationship to work. It seemed like, and it just provided, you know, for a life that we, we all came to love. And uh, so that was, that was how I saw my parents and, and their connection to work. We moved out here to the suburbs about, 25, 30 minutes outside of San Francisco, where I really had an opportunity to start exploring sports, you know, Mm -hmm. like the, um, we, my brother, I have a brother that's close in age to me, uh, 22 months older than me. Um, I have, a a, another brother that's 16 years older than me. So I didn't grow up with him as much. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a great relationship to him, but, uh, the brother that was closer in age, it was, you know, we did everything together and um he was definitely a more imaginative uh kid so i see similarities between you know him and i and, and my two daughters you know like my, my older daughter is loves to create play ideas she's very imaginative and she can like kind of fulfill on these like ideas that she has in her head mm-hmm. and my younger daughter was kind of like me i was the younger brother and to sort of like follow along, do everything that my brother's doing, do everything that her sister's doing. Um, and maybe a little bit more like physical, uh, than my brother was. So yeah. I think my parents wanted to shove me into sports because they yeah. saw just how physical I really wanted to be. And I got an opportunity to do that growing up here in the suburbs and just did a, you know, try, tried a little bit of everything. But I think by the time I was 10, it's like soccer started to really take hold. Golf was really taking hold and baseball. These were like the three things that I really liked to do golf. Cause my dad played and I just enjoyed, you know, the game, yeah. um, baseball, uh, kind of was a fan of, of the San Francisco giants, kind of got into baseball early on. And then soccer was something that I was, um, was kind of like my first, competitive sport that I got into and I was quite, um, I I just was like naturally kind of good at it and found, you know, found that I liked that as well. So those were kind of, you know, how sports got introduced to my life, what my parents were up to, you know, a lot of, uh, lived in a very privileged area for sure. Um, had a lot of things, you know, that just, I probably took for granted at the time. And now that I'm, you know, an adult parent, you know, run my own business. I'm like, wow, I had a, you know, we had a pretty good and um, uh, but that didn't mean that I didn't experience challenges, feel struggle and, you know, find myself at different times of life, um, you know, feeling sorry for myself. Right. And that that was yeah. especially in the uh, teenage years, um, you know, getting into junior high and then into high school, just had some, you know, it didn't, didn't feel like my best years ever kind of um insecure uh you know really lots of insecurities lots of self-consciousness feeling like I just didn't really want to be seen even though the exterior was like handsome kid great athlete gets good grades I just had a different world that I was living in internally Mm -hmm. um so I I just you know got to work through that um but I don't, it's not lost upon me that despite that, like my life is good. I had, I didn't have a lot of, you know, a lot of obstacles placed in front of me. I had a lot of doors open for me from the time I was very little all the way till now. And, um, I've, you know, taken, I've tried to take advantage of not take advantage of in, in a negative way, but like, you know, I've seen these opportunities and I've tried to not let any of them go to waste and uh, see if I can do something really positive with them throughout my life.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great perspective. You mentioned the the insecurities that you experienced during those years. Do you think that was more for like, was that a body image thing? Or was that more of like a social thing? Or were you just kind of a teenager
1: in his own head a little bit? I would say probably a little bit of the, you know, teenager in his own head a little bit. You know, going through uh um I think it was more of a personality where I just sort of lacked self-confidence. I I don't really know where this happened to me, um, still uncovering through the you know, through therapy and through personal work, but like mm-hmm. it was definitely something that happened where I didn't feel confident in myself, despite all of the external metrics of success that were there Mm -hmm. to feel like you know in the hands of somebody else be like I'm a fucking rock star I'm amazing like look at all the things I've done I just (laughs) I didn't make those connections and still to this day you know like I might have a successful business but I struggled to feel really confident in like my choices and my actions and what I'm doing you know like in as a as a parent same thing you know um I needed like reinforcement and I don't know if I just wasn't getting that and um I wasn't getting in a way that really like made me feel good about who I was. You know, I felt maybe a little bit more connected to these like external uh, factors that, you know, didn't really, they weren't really like who I was as a person. They were more just like things that I accomplished. And so. Was, was sports a, an outlet for you in that regard? Somewhat. Um, you know, like it became this thing where I was the, I was the, I was the athlete that was good. And so it was like, now this is almost a label I have to kind of like live up to. And it's like, what, what did I really love about sports? Well, I didn't actually uncover that until I was like in my twenties or early twenties, like up until that point, it was like, you're good at the game. And therefore, you know, people admire that you're Mm -hmm. a good soccer player. But really, I was a good, I was like a hard worker who was fit and put a lot of energy into his fitness and his physicality. And that's what I loved. And that's what I connected to. And that's what I wanted more than anything else. I didn't care about the game. I didn't yeah. care about winning that much. You know, I mean, yeah. there were periods of time where I got on board with like the energy and the, the values of like the people around me that were like, we have to win. And I was like, okay, we got to win, you know, but like, really, I was like, I just want to go to practice and sweat and freaking push people around and, you know, be physical. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll get to it, I'm sure later, but it's like, when I found a sport where that was the purpose of the sport was to just like go and do fitness, I was like, oh, this is pretty Pretty great. This is actually what I want to do. Like, I don't care about scoring goals. I care about <laughs> lifting the weights that yeah. help people score goals.
0: <laughs> you you have to be in the minority of high school kids that were saying, "I just want to go to practice and sweat my tail off." I feel like yeah. most most kids playing sport are the other way around.
1: Oh, totally. Um, yeah. I mean, I was the only kid going at 5 a.m. to the weight room with my physics teacher to work out. You know, it was, yeah. it was not. Pa- it wasn't packed at 5 a.m. People were not wanting to lift weights you know, that was, that was what I wanted
0: to do. Yeah. That's that lonely work. And we, you're right. We will get to that. Um, your, your the rest of your journey into, into fitness and CrossFit and everything like that. I want to continue down this path a little bit further though. So you mentioned just, just talking about confidence and that's still being something that you're working through, through therapy and other personal work. That's something that I see across the board with the, with a lot of men leading, leading their families. I found this in myself a lot that is something I've really uncovered, especially through doing this podcast, like confidence has been an issue for me. I don't know that it's publicly been a, an issue. Maybe I've hit it well because um, like I'll like i tell my wife stuff about that, you know, kind of open up a little bit and it seems to be a surprise to even to her, somebody that knows me that intimately. Hmm. But I'd be curious to hear you maybe reflect a little bit or, or open up a little bit about how you're working through the maybe the doubts and confidence or insecurities that you maybe carry with you today.
1: Hmm yeah well it's um i guess i i i used to i think i spent a lot of time especially in my marriage um telling my wife or or sort of using i guess saying that like hey i i need to have this external validation or i need i need you to recognize these things in me like I need this from you. Otherwise I can't be this whole, you know, person and show up as a great partner and a great dad. And, you know, um, like where, where, you know, and so I realized after a number of years of saying this to, to my wife, you know, like, Hey, well, why aren't you like, I just need you to tell me like I'm doing something good rather than like point out these areas that, I have to work on it's like, which I still think is obviously important. And and that's just, you know, if you're going to, you're going to give people constructive feedback, it's like, you know, compliment them first
0: compliment sandwich. Right. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Um, However, it's like, I had to actually like really listen to my, like myself say that and be like, okay, I'm asking, I I'm, I'm saying that I need something in order for me to show up and, and do, you know, the right thing i'm like how messed up is that like i need i need sort of like a a payment in order for me to show up and do like the thing that is my ethical a- obligation <laughs> like i want to be a good person like i don't need someone to tell me i'm a am doing good before i show up and do do the right thing you know right yeah so it was um I think things have shifted for me now in this, like, you know, as as an adult versus when I was a child, Um, you know, it's like I there was just a tremendous amount of insecurity and fear as a kid. And in order to overcome that fear, like having somebody there to, I guess, more encourage me rather than just like compliment me, you know, it's like encourage me that I'm doing things well, um, was important, you know, because I didn't have a lot of a lot of life experience and examples of like, hey, uh, look, I've done this many times now as a as, a you know, 38 year old. Uh, it's, it's like, okay, I, I have all of the evidence there that shows that, you know, I can do this thing the right way, and I've done it the right way. and I've made I've made a lot of good decisions. I've made some bad decisions and I've learned from some of most of those bad decisions, but that like the the track record's there. And for me to just say like, my behavior, my me showing up in the best way that I possibly can, is limited by by somebody else's actions like my wife is like I can't I can't do my best unless my wife you know gives me a encouraging words or compliment or I identify as you know the thing I've done well then that just put everything on somebody else like I didn't take ownership or responsibility mm-hmm. and now it's like she holds the the key to me being the person I want to be. And I don't want that. I don't want that to be the case with anybody. I don't want anybody else to be the, uh, hold the keys to my success. So I think I've gotten a bit more away from that. And rather than, you know, when I hear that there's areas for me that I need to grow, And it could come from my wife. It could come from how my kid looked at on social media. And rather than be like, why didn't they say something nice first? Or why didn't they like acknowledge that I was doing this well for them? I'm just like, okay. Like I I'm, I'm at this point of like, I'm just trying to be a sponge to all of this, you know, feedback that I'm getting. Mm -hmm. And the only feedback that I'm going to grow from is kind of the negative, hard feedback. Mm -hmm. It's not the, you know, you're doing great. And and when people like, you know, give me big accolades and compliments, you know, or I get introduced on a podcast like Marcus Philly, da, 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 and I'm like, like, I appreciate it. And, and it's like, but that isn't what's driving me. You know, it's like, what's driving me is like, where can I get better? What can I improve upon? Um, and I don't want to be at a stage of like, I've made it. I've done great tell me how great I am. You know, uh, no, it's like, no, I I have lots of work to do. Like I'm at the season of life where I have so much room to grow. And, um, you know, my, my confidence, it's like, my confidence is only going to grow from getting out there and overcoming the next 10 challenges and 10 obstacles that I face. And when I do that, and each one that I've I overcome my confidence builds, you know, and it's not building from somebody telling me, Hey, you did great on those last 10 things. Mm -hmm. It's like, Nope, I got to go and tackle these next 10 things. And when I get through those, I'm just going to keep adding more and more to the confidence bank. That's going to help me show up and be the person I'm going to be.
0: Yeah, it's building that. Um, I love the way you've, you've kind of expressed that. It's the way I visualize it in my head is it's building the skill of being unconditional. So you there is no confidence tied to external validation. It's I am unconditional. I'm I know what my standard is as a person. Am I gonna hit it every time? No, of course I'm gonna fail. We're supposed to fail, but what can we learn from it? Um, that's been everything that you just walked through and expressed is i I, I think the point of validation and understanding for us has been where it comes from is is a massively important thing because Mm -hmm. to your points like as you know there's so much opportunity for external validation no matter what it is whether it's professionally or financially or what car you drive or where your kid goes to school like somebody will praise you for those things Mm -hmm. are they the things that you tie your identity and your confidence to? If so, then you're extremely vulnerable and you can be, you're conditional to that continuing to come in. Like you said, and when it stops, it's when the music stops playing, it's like, what do we got? Who, you know, who are we? Where does our confidence actually come from? So I I really appreciate you being willing to open up and walk through that. That's a topic that's starting to come up more and more, in the conversations that we're having on the show and then just some conversations we're having, I'm having with friends and, and uh, other connections offline. I think it's something that we all, we all struggle with them. We all are learning to navigate on our own, um, hmm. but just knowing that other people are walking through that similarly, I think that's massively helpful. So thank you for, for, uh, yeah. for doing
1: that. Yeah. And, and and to the listeners, I apologize for not being a bit more um, eloquent with how I responded, you know, I was kind of fumbling around to to sort of articulate that well, but, um, yeah, you're right. It's it's a conversation that that more people need to be having, that, especially, especially men who I think, um, obviously, this is, you know, a podcast, but that's the target audience bothers uh, out there.
0: It seems to be a little bit harder for us from time to time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but yes, thank you. So I want to go back now. I said, we come back to your story. So you fell in love with exercise um, it was much more of the getting up, meeting your teacher in the morning at 5.30 before before school, doing the whole thing. You were the workout warrior in, in high school. I know you played soccer in college. And so tell us that maybe from there, how you fell into the sport of fitness, CrossFit. I think everybody knows you had a tremendous career in, in that a- arena, but how did you fall into that?
1: Yeah, I guess it started really in in college. Yeah, it was like, I was the guy who was... I was always looking for ways to train harder or more completely, I suppose, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, um, Hey, I can lift weights, but, Oh man. Like I just did this workout with my, you know, soccer coach or my goalkeeper coach. And they made me do this different type of, you know, conditioning work. And man, that was, wow, that was really impactful. That was profound. Like, how do I incorporate this? You know? And, oh, this soccer coach taught me about plyometrics. Okay. How am I going to mix that in? Mm-hmm. So it was like, I was always looking for things to add to the mix, not because like I wasn't working hard, but cause I just had this general sense of like, you know, if, if it, it there's not just one way to train, there's many ways to train and they all have an impact on my body and I'm just getting stronger and more fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so in college, I started really soaking up a lot of information from a lot of different sources. Um, I guess I started getting exposure to like, you know, collegiate strength and conditioning, um, models of training, which was new to me. You know, I started, I was really deep in reading a lot, um, at the time on T nation, which was like Mm -hmm. testosterone.net. And there's a lot of really, you know, smart contributing authors back then in that era. So that was like, I think around 2002 or 2000 to 2006, um, 20 years ago. Yeah. So there was tons of, you know, tons of good information coming out there and, and ideas that I was putting into practice and training. Um, met a couple of really important, you know, friends in college that had more knowledge about training than me. And I worked out with them a lot and we explored a lot of different stuff. And so I'm sort of just compiling all these different things into my like training arsenal. And when I left college again, met a couple more really influential coaches that introduced me to stuff. And, um, and it was like, right then, like 2008 CrossFit, you know, came across, came across CrossFit. And, um, at this point I'm pretty dedicated to just training as my main focus. You know, I love training, played some golf still, but really training was what what got me excited, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, somebody mentioned CrossFit and I was like, okay. I like kind of like checked it out. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is pretty interesting. Here's another thing that I can kind of like add to the arsenal, you know, mm-hmm. of training modalities that I'm doing. But as I looked into it more, I was like, Oh, you know what, this is, what's crazy about this is that this is kind of combining all this different stuff that I've done over the years, but it ha- it's presenting it in a way that I can now measure how good am I at fitness? how How good is my training? so does the does the stuff I was doing in college help me get better at this? Well, parts of it does. Parts of it don't really help, you know? Mm-hmm. So I sort of like bought into the the crossfit method and um more than just the method, but just sort of like this the dogma around like measuring fitness, having measurable you know, outcomes to whether your fitness is making you more fit or not by their definition of like, you know, improve work capacity across broad time, modal domains. However, it's written and scripted in the journal of CrossFit. So really what's interesting is like CrossFit is this training methodology, or it's a sport that really rewards how good you are at training for fitness, right? <laughs> I had connected to training for fitness as my passion before I found crossfit and I was exploring it in a lot of ways so crossfit almost was like this very very natural thing for me to gravitate towards because like oh this is what I'm this is what I've been really thinking and chasing it's like you know? that made the or, sport for you yeah or the whole entire like culture around it mm-hmm. you know because a lot of people had a different origin story with their crossfit experience they're like oh i got into crossfit and you know i suddenly found training for the first time in my life mm-hmm. you know right i was like oh, no, i didn't just find training like i was into training and i just didn't know that you could really do it this hard and this you know explore it in this way um and so that that kind of really clicked for me and What also happened was that in 2008, 2009, my first, you know, year of kind of doing some CrossFit, I was super humbled by it and not humbled just because like the workouts were hard. Like, yeah, the workouts were hard. Um, and a lot of people were like, Oh, I remember the first time I did Fran, it like killed me. And I just was like, Oh my God, I'm so out of shape. I didn't have that experience. You know, I had workouts that were like, Whoa, that was sneaky hard. But, um, what was actually more humbling to me was that I couldn't follow the normal CrossFit prescription of three days on one day off without getting like mega, like without getting injured or like, you know, having some big obstacle, like I would have three good days and then I'd have three horrible days where I'm like, Oh my God, I'm just like, that really wrecked my knee. My knee feels like crap. And like, how is this possible that these, men that I'm following and there were women, but I was following the men at the time. Like, how can they be doing this, this hard? Like, what am I missing?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so that was where I really kind of was like eager to, uh, to, to uncover this, what seemed like a mystery to me at the time, which was like, how does one person build up enough resilience to do intense exercise almost every day? Like, it just didn't make sense why I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I, that's pretty much what I spent the next seven years trying to figure <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, Really, that was my CrossFit career, was how does somebody train their body to be able to do this level of effort this frequently, this much volume, and basically survive? And not just survive, yeah. but then ultimately thrive. Yeah. And so that was kind of it. It was like the first three years of CrossFit for me was like, how do I survive? Mm-hmm. Then it was like, the last four years was like, okay, now how can I thrive?
0: Yeah.
1: And, and that was, it was, it was such a deep exploration of who I was as a person, but also physical, uh, you know, physiology, and then everything that goes into, to giving somebody an edge to do that. I wanted to know the most about, and I dedicated to it. And I did some things with my body physically that I look at today, you know, now five, six years removed from playing the sport. And I think, holy shit. Like, how did I do that? Like, I, I am like, I'm, I'm in the same camp as many of the people that are, you know, the haters out there that are like, Oh, you were on steroids. And I'm like, Wasn't that like? It sure (laughs) seems like it. I mean, geez, how did it? How did that actually happen? But you know, I was there through the whole thing, and I know what I did. And I'm like, yeah, geez, you know, when you dedicate that much and you reserve that much space in your life, and you really dedicate to a process of, you know, building, building, building for a long period of time, it's remarkable what you can do. Yeah, I
0: mean, you obviously achieved a tremendous level of success in sport, so. What was the what was the secret? What was what was the discovery that you made that allowed you to go from three days on to three terrible days with a banged that knee to being able to sustain it and as you mentioned, really thrive in those last you know four or five years? Well, it was
1: basically the 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 the, the foundation of all of that was that it was a an understanding that this thing is literally going to get built like one brick at a time mm-hmm. for, you know, and, and then after seven years, we're going to have this, you know, incredibly beautiful, you know, building out of mm-hmm. it. Um, And it's this interplay between I'm going to do just enough to get better, but not feel terrible the next day. And, and it's like, and then really pushing your your intensity threshold yeah so it's like you you kind of i kind of spent like for you know the better part of seven years like right at that intensity threshold and when you're training at that intensity threshold it's easy to make mistakes and go over Mm -hmm. frequently yeah and that's Mm -hmm. where you start to hurt experience injuries you uh are super tired you know you're Mm -hmm. It's like you spend all your waking hours just kind of thinking about how you're going to recover for this whole thing. Um, you, you, you can't bring as much mental energy and emotional energy to other walks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, it just consumes a lot of you. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like the professional athlete at the peak of their sport is focused on winning. And then when they retire, they're using their brand to build, you know, to to become entrepreneurs. Like you don't see Shaquille O'Neal, you know, at the height of winning multiple championships year after year, starting and running, you know, five businesses. Like right. that came much after came after his playing career. Yeah. Why? Because when you're playing and you're putting in that much energy to to being the best in the world, there's not a lot of room for that. You don't have the mental, you know, capacity to So if you think about like, well, what's another thing that requires a tremendous amount of emotional and mental engagement? It's like, well, being a parent, being a husband, you know, running businesses, I already mentioned. But those are like, you know, things that at the height of what I was doing probably didn't have as much, you know, room. I I personally was not somebody who felt like I had enough room to do that. That's why I look at athletes that are still competing in the sport who have families, have kids, and I know they put a lot of energy towards being, you know, present and engaged fathers that I'm just so impressed. I'm like, wow, that was kind of my moment to retire. It was like, oh, we're having a baby. I got married and I'm starting my business. Like, I don't think I can do that. I, I I know I'm not going to be able to put the level of energy and effort towards this that I, I once did. Um, yeah. So,
0: Yeah. How was the how was the process for you stepping away? It sounds like you had you had a nice sunset to ride off into. But did you did you have any? I mean, just going back to like identity and confidence, like we were talking about at the beginning, stepping away from the sport that you struggle with that at all from an identity standpoint?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say it was a struggle. It was just sort of like an unknown. I was just kind of walking into uncharted territory. Yeah, you know what? And the the uncharted territory was that I built my career. Um, as a fitness professional and my career as an athlete simultaneously Mm -hmm. ever from like the moment I, you know, I left medical school in 2009 to pursue coaching as a career and then gym ownership and then business, you know, all the whole thing. But, uh, you know, 2010 was also my first CrossFit games that I competed in. So, you know, side by side, both of these things are growing and so 2017 was going to be the first year that I was going to be focused on being a coach and not being an identifying, not identifying as an athlete anymore. And that was a little scary to me because I was like, I don't know if I can be successful without that dual identity. Mm-hmm. Maybe people are only listening to me and my credibility is built off of having only, you know, been this successful athlete. So that was a bit, you know, that was an unknown. And, um, I think it, it, it forced me to think about holding on to my athlete identity a little longer. Like, Mm -hmm. even though I wasn't competing, I was training still. Like I was going to go back to the CrossFit games. Yeah. I was training like, okay, I'll take a year off and then I'll get back into the sport or I'll take two years off and I'll start master's competitions and, I'll, you know, I'll do all these things to just sort of stay in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately that didn't align with what I wanted, which was to build a very strong, successful company and, you know, maintain at at that point it was like, and just maintain a healthy relationship to my wife and figure out how we're (laughs) going to parent, you know, (laughs) you know, years later, five years, six years later, it's like, okay, how am I going to build a a good, a successful business and build a a phenomenal relationship and be a, you know, a really engaged and connected father and stay in shape. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) it's like, uh, yeah, the, the priority list has shifted.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's a lot on the plate. So let's talk about that. Let's dive in there. Let's let's talk about what, what that's looked like for you. Maybe start with your marriage. And um, you know, has as the priority has shifted and, and you guys have have worked on growing that relationship and the marriage, raising kids, doing the whole thing. What have kind of been, I guess, like the pillars of your relationship, the things that have led to the success that you guys have had so far?
1: Um well, my I think what's you know I can start to say these things because like at, only at this stage of our our marriage, like I would say that um, the last probably year we've seen the most growth in our relationship. Um, I think our having kids was hard for for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it put a strain on our relationship for sure, um, because and different for each each kid. Um, but you know, I, in the early years when we had our first kid, we, um, my business really was growing in a way, like it's kind of growing exponentially or, you know, just really rapidly. Mm -hmm. And it was a different type of business than I had ever been in, you know, for seven years prior to that, I was a, I was a coach in a gym. I ran a bit, you know, I ran a gym, I was seeing people in person, you know, I did a little bit of online coaching, but like, it was a small bit of what I did. And, and then, you know, suddenly I was running an online coaching company and it was predominantly driven by social media marketing, mm-hmm. um, which meant just a different level of engagement in technology that I had never really experienced before. So I was just like, you know, this thing's moving i gotta keep up with it and i'm glued to my phone and glued to the computer and um there's 24 7 like opportunities to to work and to make sales and to grow our reach and you know i don't want to like i don't know how to turn it off you know yeah and and then at the same time my wife is like you know just after her first you know our first child's like She was going through a lot of, um, you know, postpartum depression and some identity challenges specifically around her career was kind of like, not sure what I'm doing. Meanwhile, my career has taken off and I'm super distracted and engaged with that. And Mm -hmm. so these, this, you know, having kids really just like, it amplified some you know, of our, I guess, differences as, as, you know, and, and really highlighted like, well, these are areas that we're going to have to, we're going to have to work on over the coming years. And, you know, it was, uh, it was super challenging. Um, and through that, I've committed to, and we've committed to a certain amount of like, you know, focus work on ourselves and and with each other through, uh, through therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, we set a foundation of like therapy together as a couple (laughs) that goes all the way back to when we were, you know, we weren't even engaged. Like in 2014, we were just in a good place in our life. And my wife is a therapist and she works with couples and she was like, Hey, we should, we should establish like a good foundation of, you know, talking Mm -hmm. with a professional, you know, when things are good, because like we're thinking about getting engaged, we're thinking about a future together, like let's make sure we have all our cards on the table. So we started that, you know, eight, nine years ago. Wow. Yeah. And so that's amazing. That kind of kept going through our, through, through the pregnancies to the kids. And that really gave us, uh, you know, good we didn't show up at therapy being like, Hey, we're in crisis. Like we were, you know, we went into some crisis phases through kids, but we were like, you know, we had a relationship of five years with this person that we were talking with. So that was, that was a really powerful thing that we had. And honestly, I always, I, I think I'm, I don't think I really appreciated how important that was I kind Mm -hmm. of maybe saw it as like, hey, this is this thing that my wife wants us to do, and I want I want to do it too, and I see the value in it. But like, this is her thing, and I'm here to support that. Mm -hmm. And 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 in recent years, I've been more like, no, this is our thing. This is what I need to get out of it, and I've taken it, you know, taken a lot more responsibility to see to it that, you know, we're using it in a way that's supportive for 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 both of us, not just like to meet her needs. Um, but I would say the, the other big, you know, foundation of this has been, um, accepting that, you know, we, we, we both are working towards, um, this perspective that the other person, our partner, like I want her to, 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 I want her to grow in certain ways and she wants me to grow in certain ways. Um, but can we find a place where we're in acceptance of where each of us are today? Like, I and true and like true acceptance. Like, I want you to see me more often for who I am. And I totally, completely accept the fact that today. You miss me you know there's this many days a week that that you miss my signals and you know that that's like a that is a really hard place it's been a very hard place to to get to and to keep working towards this like my wife is perfect the way she is today she's totally and i still want her to grow in these ways and mm-hmm. i still want her to see me in these ways And I still want her to contribute around the house in these ways. Like, you know, so it's, it's asking or letting the other person know what you need or what you want or what you desire without this like expectation that it's going to happen now. And, and that, that perspective comes from, you know, also from therapy and from some of my individual therapy work that I've, that I've done. Um, And that's something that we're both really committed to is like, I want you to change. I don't need you to change today. And I don't need you to ever change. Like I accept you how you are. And these are the things that I want. And we both express to each other that we have desire to meet the other person, you know, this is what you want. I want to get there and I'm not there today and it probably will take us like all whole lives together to get there. (laughs) But but we, we still both want to work towards it. Um, and I, and I've had to, you know, get out of that headspace of like shame and, you know, where I'm like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough yet. Like I'm not there. Like she wants me to do these things that I'm, you know, Oh, I can't do it now. Like I suck. I'm a terrible person. Like, you know, um, and, and, and that's something that's, you know, shifting for
0: me. And I want to commend you guys for being so consistent with the therapy over eight, nine years. I mean, that's tremendous. Um, and it's, it's cool hearing you reflect on that, unpack that a little bit. And it's what's inherent in it, in, in that agreement is that like, people are going to grow one way or another, you know, like it's, it's like, we're not static beings. Like we're always growing being shifted, being there's so many inputs on our lives, like everywhere. We're always growing in one way or another. But what's so cool about this agreement that you guys have these conversations that you're clearly having regularly is that you are intentionally trying to grow together. Like you are trying to grow in a direction where your marriage is only going to get stronger over the course of your marriage. Like you're not in this position where I think a lot of couples find themselves where it's just like they just kind of drift. Right. That's that's like the drift, like people drift with kids and then they go to college and then they look at each other and they're like, hey, who are you? What do we actually like? Are we even really focusing on each other? And then you see a lot of divorce right there. I just want to commend you guys for having those hard conversations. because I know that conversation isn't easy. Like, hey, I love you. I see you. I love you the way you are today. I would love to see you grow in this way that's a hard thing like you said like because you when you hear that yourself like when she says that to you and my wife and I we've had some of these conversations you do have that moment of reflection of like damn I'm not doing a good enough job man I suck like what like I'm not good enough like this isn't you know you you go through that rabbit hole and then when you have that conversation to say something to her you know she's internalizing or like naturally going to react in a similar way and then you must feel guilty so I know that's a tough conversation like I'm I would, I would like, does that get easier over time? That's, that's really the question. Like, is that like a reps thing? Like you build the muscle of having that hard conversation.
1: Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a reps thing, but it's like, if you're doing the reps without the awareness that it's happening, like mm-hmm. then then it's not going to get better over time. It's like, yeah, th- that's where either the therapy or, you know, you can find it other ways, but you, you just have to see the pattern and you have to have it like it, point out to you and you have to reflect on it and you have to like, be able to step outside of yourself and be like, wow, look at me. This is the, this is, and just determining like, or deciphering between feelings that you're having and then programmed like thought patterns that come from that, mm-hmm. you know, what's this, like this feeling, this ego, this shame cycle that I go through every single time that my wife tells me something she wants to, you know, she wants to see done differently. Mm -hmm. Whether she said it the right way or the wrong way, it doesn't matter. Like, There's no right way to tell me that I am letting my anger out in front of the kids. Because no matter how she says it, I'm going to have an ego issue with that. I'm going to feel something internally that tells me, fuck, I don't like this person that I am. And I'm going to try and defend myself. And I'm going to try and come up with 10 to 50 reasons why well actually it was this way and oh actually no it was that and oh it was but ultimately it's like okay like somebody recognizes the way I'm being with my kids as something that doesn't feel good to them Mm -hmm. and then I have to decide like does it feel good to me if it if it brings up shame in me then it obviously doesn't feel good to me either and now I'm I feel like i'm inadequate or like i'm not good enough or that i let somebody down or that i might not have the skills and the tools to do this the way i want to do it in which case that's a scary proposition like maybe i'm not going to be successful at this thing mm-hmm. and there's plenty of people that never learn that and they never they just they're in the shame cycle over and over and over again and they're reactive and they're defensive and it's arguments and you know only time lets things cool down and then they just repeat it repeat it repeat it yeah you know one of my biggest 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 pain points in therapy over the years has been this we're just doing this again this is the same thing this is the same thing and that's because I have some expectation that like I'm not going to experience the same challenges multiple times. Like my, my expectation is that I'm going to have a challenge and then I'm going to learn from it and we're going to move on and it's going to be behind us. And it's like, no, you didn't actually learn from it. Like learning from this thing (laughs) is going to take decades. It might take your whole life. And that's, so you got to put in the reps. You definitely have to put in the reps Mm -hmm. and it's like, and adjust your expectations on like, well, will when will this get easier? You know, like, yeah. you burn your hand on the stove, you're not going to burn your hand on the stove again. Like that is a quick learning the curve. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, don't <laughs> put your hand on the fire, right? Yeah, you know, you yeah. might accidentally do it. You know, four years later, and be like, oh shit, that was I don't yeah don't want to do that again. You know, yeah, yeah. This is a different type of learning curve. It's not that quick. It's like, um. And so that, that has been important to understand for me is that, you know, and it's painful to learn that like, Hey, this is going to take time, a lot of time.
0: Yeah. Um, that the point of you were saying before, when your wife says something to you about maybe the way you're letting your anger out with the kids, to be able to hear that, whether you, you made, you made the most important point, I think, whether it's said the right way or the wrong way, is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? Who cares if you can take the emotion out? to be objective enough to recognize oh God, that yeah. there's a problem and then say am i going to like here's to to put a pin right there i say ignorance is not bliss like i would rather my wife scream at me the wrong way that i'm doing something in a way that's going to negatively affect my kids than not say anything at all because that ignorance is not bliss like i'm if i don't know then i can't fix it i can't work on fixing it and then i'm just going to continue to yell at my kids or do whatever it is that the example of of you know the day is um i can't tell you how helpful that is to me to hear you reflect on that having revelations and insights um just into my own life as you're uh, as you're speaking and that's kind of what i'm reflecting on now so i really i really appreciate that again this is uh super helpful um i want to be respectful of your time one last question for you and i'll kick you off um Last question has to do with the word legacy. So legacy is something we hear a lot about. We, a lot of different connotations. I think about two things. I think about the people that mean the most to me here on earth. And I think about the people that God willing, I will leave behind on this earth. Between those two buckets, that falls my kids. And I don't think about necessarily the money when I think about legacy, but I do think about the moments, the memories, the lessons, the little experiences that they will have shared, that we will have shared together. That, you know, like I said, God willing, one day I can hopefully leave them behind on earth. They'll kind of get to remember those little experiences and and have those be North stars or or guiding points for them as they live the rest of their life. So if I turn that like through that lens, I turn that around on you and I say, Marcus, what do you want your legacy to be with your kiddos? How would you answer that
1: question? Yeah, I I I I really just want them to um I I don't, you know, I'm I've kind of fallen into this pattern of looking at legacy is, is kind of a something that's not, uh, not that real in, in, Mm -hmm. in the way that people often talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's as far as legacy goes. Yeah. I think you're right to kind of just focus on your children because beyond that, like there's not much that anybody is going to remember about you. Um, especially if you extend the time horizon out, one or two generations like (laughs) you're not going to be remembered Mm -hmm. i'm not going to be remembered it doesn't that doesn't that that mentality doesn't stop me from wanting to do extraordinary things and do things that you know impact a great number of people um, in this lifetime but um, as it as it goes with my kids like you know i i truly believe like (laughs) where our existence is like you know let's let's help you know helping others is basically making people live better lives in in the present moment it's like am i doing something or am i impacting other people in a way that makes them experience today better and tomorrow better not like am i helping somebody to like secure their future 50 years from now like Maybe, but it's like, who knows if they're going to get there. So Mm -hmm. my, my hope is that what I can, how, how I can impact my children is I give them enough experiences with me that they can engage each day in their life more fully. So if something I do and the way that we communicate helps them to build trust in men Like, and learn how to, you know, learn how to spot a male figure in their life that is going to show up with their full emotions and attention and, you know, communication abilities, then maybe that is enough. You know, if I teach them at some point how to move their bodies and, you know, express themselves physically in a way that feels good to them, then that's a win you know, and they'll use that maybe for the rest of their life. And, and then they can have better relationships and have more days that, you know, uh, feel fulfilling. If I teach them through the work that I'm doing, maybe with my wife that like challenges and obstacles are what make life worth living, then that is a, that is going to positively impact their time on this planet and how they interact with their loved ones and maybe how they parent. And, you know, so those are, those are certainly, you know, the, the, the things and the ways that I want to, you know, develop relationship with them. And it's, it's really, you know, I know we're, we're wrapping up here. It's a great way to to end because um, I fall victim to thinking about, you know, What's the most important thing I can do for this family? and I need to provide or I need to leave something for them or I need to be able to, you know, but everything I just said to you is like you know teaching teaching communication or teaching behaviors or teaching, you know way like self-care and and those things are have nothing to do with like, you know, paying the mortgage and those types of things. It's they're important. They need to happen, but um, you know, it's it comes from engagement and time and seeing repeated behaviors over and over again, modeling these things. And that's what I definitely want to keep doing.
0: Well said, brother. I love it. Marcus, where's the best place for people to find you, follow you? Where do you want to send people?
1: Oh, just uh if you're not following me over on social media, make sure you are at Marcus Philly on pretty much all the platforms, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, even, there you go. Twitter, Twitter. Twitter is Philly Marcus. You just type in Marcus Philly, you can find me on all of them. And, and if you like what you see there, and if the message resonates with you, we've got plenty more places to connect with us.
0: Awesome. Yeah. We'll link it all up in the show notes. Marcus, thank you so much for making the time for us today. Um, sorry. I know we ran right up on time. I told you I That's wouldn't do good. that. So I apologize. It's all good. We're good. I'm, I really pre- I appreciate it, man. I, I benefited a voice. lot from hearing you express some of the things that you went through today um super super helpful uh, episode selfishly for me and i know it's going to help a lot of people listening so thank you very
1: much oh i'm glad to hear that thanks for having me and, and appreciate having an opportunity to talk about stuff that i don't typically get asked on podcasts so <laughs> this was great awesome
0: man i appreciate you we'll stay in touch all right everybody that's it thanks for listening and if you haven't already do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review we can't thank you enough for your support until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.